Good morning. It's certainly good to see everyone here this morning. We have quite a few visitors with us. We are certainly thankful for your presence. We want you to know that you are our honored guest. We want to welcome you back every opportunity that you have to be with us. God has given us another opportunity, a blessing to be able to to come before Him and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We're in Matthew chapter 6. We are studying the Sermon on the Mount. We're looking at the religion of the Pharisees and the scribes and we see a contrast between the religion of Christ and the religion of the Pharisees and the scribes. I want to begin with the statement that Jesus made about the Pharisees and the scribes found in Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 and 8, where Jesus said, This people, speaking of the Pharisees and the scribes, draweth unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for the doctrines, the commandments of men. I hope this morning that doesn't describe our worship. We don't want our worship to be in vain. We want our worship to be meaningful to God. We want it to to come up before God as a sweet aroma. We know from John 4, 23 and 24 that when we worship God according to His truth and with the right attitude, in truth and in spirit, our worship does come up before God as a sweet aroma. I'm thankful for what Jesus revealed about the Pharisees and the scribes concerning their religion. Because it really helps us understand what vain worship truly is. As you stop and as you go through the Sermon on the Mount, and as you think about the Pharisees and the scribes, the Pharisees and the scribes were indeed actors in the truest sense. For example, as we go through Matthew chapter 6, Jesus Christ is is going to, to point out three elements of their religion that were purely done for show. As you begin in Matthew chapter 6 concerning their almsgiving, their charitable deeds, you remember they would sound a trumpet to receive the glory of men. They did all of these righteous deeds to put on a show to be seen of men. When it came to their prayers, Jesus said they would stand in the synagogues, on the street corners. Remember in the original language, it carries the idea they would stand at the widest point or the widest intersections at that time where they would be able to to be seen of men as they would pray to God. And this morning as we talk about fasting, even when it, when it came to their fasting, this was another opportunity for them to put on a show. The Jews, the Pharisees and the scribes, that is, were very involved in fasting. Fasting was a part of their religion, a common part of their religion that needed to be corrected. When they fasted, they wanted others to know about it because they wanted to to be perceived as as being holy and, and righteous and spiritual. 
So this morning as we begin our study, I want to begin in Matthew 6, verse number 16. Jesus begins this section by saying, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites. Don't be like the Pharisees and the scribes. They do this to to put on a, a, a show. They were actors, as I said, in the truest sense. Moreover, when you uh, moreover don't fast like them, he says. When you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. I heard a brother one time going through the Sermon on the Mount and, and he, had, he had done some, some study, some background looking at, at a lot of their traditions and, and, and their lifestyle at this time. Uh, he made an interesting point from verse number 16. And, and he even said that, that the Pharisees and, and the scribes would, would even put on some kind of, of makeup upon their, their faces to disfigure their faces so that people would, would perceive them as, as being in a, a time of fasting. And so they wanted again to do this for a show. Jesus says in verse number 17, But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and, and wash thy feet and face, that thou, that, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. The subject of fasting is really an interesting subject. Uh, as you think about fasting, fasting is a, is a very popular phenomenon of our day. People are, are, are fasting for, for all kinds of reasons, but that's not to be confused with what the Bible teaches. If you were to walk into a bookstore, you will see that there are hundreds of books written on this subject. Today, people are fasting to get the body beautiful. Some people will go too far, as you know, and they can even damage their body. Fasting for that purpose, for that reason, can be sinful. Fasting to, to that degree could be a, a, a form of asceticism, abusing the body. But the Bible never deals with fasting on a, on a physical level. In other words, God's Word doesn't instruct us to fast to, to make the body beautiful, but that's what so many are doing today. Some are, are fasting for physical reasons. To make the body beautiful. Others are, are fasting thinking that they're going to, to receive some spiritual experience, some uh, spiritual high by, by fasting. I'm going to be more spiritual and so I'm going to, to enter into this fast. Listen, you are, are no more spiritual if you, if, if, if you don't eat than if you do eat. Romans 14, verse 17, the kingdom of God is, is not meat and drink. And so what does the Bible say about fasting? This is an interesting subject because a lot of times Christians want to know, are we to fast today? And so what does the Bible say about fasting? 
We're going to spend our time looking at several passages uh, in the Old Testament. But I want to begin this subject by by considering this point and we'll build upon this point uh, because there are so many things, I believe, that, that surround this point that we're about to make concerning fasting. And that is this. Fasting is circumstantial. It is not chronological. Again, fasting is circumstantial. It is not chronological. Biblically speaking, fasting is is always connected with circumstances. It's always centered around a, a, a spiritual event that was so intense that fasting was a natural response. Biblically speaking, there was only one fast that God commanded. And it's found in Leviticus chapter 16, verse number 31. The Day of Atonement. This fast was connected with a a deep, mournful spirit in confessing sin. But even that fast that God commanded of, of His people there in Leviticus chapter 16 was circumstantial. Based upon, again, the Day of Atonement. But as you study the Old Testament, as you study the the New Testament, we are commanded to pray, but we are never commanded to fast like we see the Pharisees and the scribes doing. You see, by the time of of Jesus' day, Fasting was was very popular among the Pharisees and and, and the scribes. It was a big part of of Jewish society. In fact, let me invite you to open your Bibles to to Luke chapter 18. and Notice a couple passages with me that that will help us uh, emphasize the point that we're making about fasting being a part of of Jewish society. It it really became a routine for, for the Jews. Here in Luke chapter 18, you have the parable of of the Pharisee and and the tax collector. I want to just drop down to verse number 12 for time's sake. This is what uh, the Pharisee boasted about himself. He says, "I, I fast twice in the week and I give tithes of all that I possess. As I said, this, this became a, a routine for the Pharisees. They would fast twice a week. According to the, the Talmud, uh, the Talmud, which records their tradition, says that the Jews would, would fast on the second and fifth day every week. The second and fifth day. According to Jewish history, market day was always on the second and fifth day. And you see why they would fast on the second and fifth day as a routine because this would provide an opportunity for them to put on a show. To, to, to demonstrate to people how religious they were. And you see how Luke 18 fits the context of what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 6. As you go through the Sermon on the Mount, there's no question that the religion of Jesus Christ was very, very different from the religion of the Pharisees and the scribes. And one of the differences is what we're talking about this morning as it relates to fasting. Let me show you another example of what I'm talking about. Turn over to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. 
As I said, the religion of, of Christ was very different from the religion of the Pharisees. Now here in Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse number 14, Then came to Him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? But thy disciples, speaking about the disciples of Jesus, but thy disciples, listen to it, fast not. Now notice Jesus' response there in verse number 15. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. Jesus is teaching us something very important about fasting. And it goes back to the point that we're establishing. Fasting is circumstantial. It's not chronological. His disciples, that is Christ's disciples, hadn't fasted up to this point because of the circumstances. But Jesus, as He continues to respond to their question in verse number 15, shows that the circumstances are going to change. And when those, circum- when those circumstances change, it will provide an opportunity for my disciples to fast. You see, there was always a a reason why people fasted. And we're going to establish that. We're going to look at at six or or, or seven points. And as we emphasize these points, we're not going to spend a lot of time with each of these points. But as we emphasize these points, I want you to keep that in mind. There was always a reason why people fasted. Fasted. For example, if you would go back to the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah. In Nehemiah chapter 1 verse number 4. This is our, our, our first example. Nehemiah uh, chapter 1 verse number 24. Now as you think about uh, the book of Nehemiah. The, the book of Nehemiah is such a, a, a wonderful book. The people of God are, are returning to, to Jerusalem. And as the people return to to Jerusalem, Nehemiah uh, is receiving information from from the people. And and Nehemiah ultimately is going to go back to Jerusalem to, to build the walls. But Nehemiah receives information about Jerusalem. Receives information about the gates and the walls and and how the gates and walls were knocked down and and, and burned. And and Nehemiah weeps. Look at Nehemiah chapter 1 verse number 4. And it came to pass when I heard these words about Jerusalem, about the wall, about the gates thereof, that they were burned with fire. Verse number 3. When I heard these words... It says, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days, and listen to it, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You know, as we go through these examples that I'm going to give you throughout the Old Testament, there there are different things that that we learn about fasting from, from each of these examples. For example, here in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse number 4, Fasting, from Nehemiah 1.4, is the result of lamentation. 
Nehemiah didn't fast just for, for the sake of fasting. It was centered around a circumstance. Nehemiah heard about the walls and the gates and it brought him to his knees. He mourned. He lamented. He fasted and prayed. Fasting is the result of lamentation. If you would, turn to another example with me in the book of Psalms. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 35. Psalm 35. As you turn over to Psalm 35, you, you see that, that David is, is talking about his enemies. Those who, who were trying to, to seek his life and, and, and they were looking for every opportunity to, to try to, to catch David so that they could kill him. It says in verse number 13 though, but there's a contrast. This isn't how David responded toward his enemies. David practiced the golden rule and you see that here in Psalm 35 verse 13. But as for me, when they were sick, speaking about his enemies, my clothing, listen to it, was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned unto my own bosom. Notice this point. In times of mourning, Fasting is, all, is almost a, a natural response to the affliction of the heart and soul. Listen to that again. I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned into my own hand. A natural response to the soul, to the affliction of the soul. David was hurting for his enemies. David was sorrowful for them. He was mourning for them. And you see that in this particular verse. If you would go back to the book of 2 Samuel. One more uh, example under, under this first point. In the book of 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. And what you're seeing from these examples is this. People fasted in times of personal sorrow. We see that with Nehemiah. We see that with, uh, with David in Psalm 35. We also see it here in 2 Samuel chapter 12 with David. Now this has a, a great background, a, a great story. We, we read about David and, and the sin of adultery with, with Bathsheba. And there's a, there's a lot of lessons that, that we can learn here from 2 Samuel chapter 12. But I want you to look at a verse with me in verse number 16. David therefore besought God for the child. And David fasted and wept in and lay all night upon the earth. Again, in times of sorrow, as we see with David, the body even responds to the anxiety of the heart. All of this was based upon circumstances. Notice the second point. If you would, turn over to 2 Chronicles. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. There are many more verses that we can look at uh, under each of these points. But, but number two, people fasted in times of, of danger and protection. Times of sorrow. But they also fasted in times of danger. Now here in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we, we read about Jehoshaphat. 
Now, the people of Ammon and Moab, uh, we will be studying about them in the book of Amos, and God is going to bring judgment upon uh, the Ammonites and Moabites. But, but here in this, this time of, of history, uh, the children of Ammon and Moab uh, came together to, to fight against God's people. And, and when Jehoshaphat hears of this, uh, he becomes afraid. He's worried about what's going to happen. Notice with me 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 3 and verse 4. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and, listen to it, and proclaimed a fast through all of Judah. This wasn't something that, that they did as a, a, a routine. Here's a unique circumstance. The Ammonites and the Moabites are about to, to come and, and fight against the, the children of Israel. And Judah gathered themselves in verse 4 together to ask help of the Lord. Notice the connection. Fasting, prayer, help. We'll put it all together at the very end. To ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. As I said, people, number two, fasted in time of fear, in time of asking God for protection. Now, we won't take the the time to to do this, but another great, great story under this point uh, would be the story of Esther, recorded in Esther uh, chapter 3. In Esther chapter 3, when when Mordecai heard what Haman was about to do, remember, Haman wanted to, to wipe out the Jews... Mordecai proclaimed a fast for the people. And we see that the whole nation would fast before God. And then we see how, how Esther would, would come to play in this. Remember, she would, she would go before the king. In Esther chapter 4, verse 3, also verse 16, we see not only did, did, did Mordecai proclaim a fast, Esther asked the people to fast on her behalf as she would go on, as she would go before the king, which was unheard of. She could lose her life going before the king. And so again, we see that people fasted in times of danger and protection. Notice another example, the third point. People fasted in times of repentance. Turn over, if you would, to the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. Here in the book of Jonah, we see this point. God had had sent Jonah to the city of Nineveh. At first, Jonah didn't want to go. Uh, As the story unreveals, he was swallowed up by uh, uh, a big fish. But we see that that God gave Jonah a second chance. Jonah goes to the city of of Nineveh and and he he preaches the preaching that that God bids in Jonah chapter 3, verse number 10. And the Ninevites, you remember, they responded to Jonah's preaching. They responded to Jonah's preaching and the king calls for a fast and he calls for the people to repent. Look at Jonah chapter 3 verse number 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. When people are brought to a recognition of sin, we see that fasting is a common response. When people are are, are troubled with, with the guilt of sin, 
we see that, that fasting sometimes occurs. We see that with the Ninevites. We see that with the people in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse number 6. They were given over to idolatry. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 6, Samuel tells the people to proclaim a fast and to repent of their idolatry. Do you realize you see the same thing with Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 9? And when the, when the Lord blinded Saul, he was on his way to Damascus. In Acts 9, verse number 9, he didn't eat for three days. As I said, when people are deeply troubled by sin, by the guilt of sin, we see that, that fasting is, is a, a natural response to that guilt. A couple more examples. In Daniel chapter 9, another point that we see when it comes to fasting. We see when people were, were hungering for truth like Daniel was. We see that, that people would, would fast during those times. As they were seeking the word of the Lord. As they were wanting to know more about God's will for them. Like David. We see, the, excuse me, like Daniel. We see that Daniel fasted. Another point that we see with fasting. Fasting was, was always connected with, with, with uh, great events. For example, when the people received the law of Moses in Exodus chapter 34 verse 3, people fasted while they were receiving the law. Jesus fasted prior to being tempted in Matthew chapter 4. The congregation of God's people, the Lord's church, we see we're fasting at times in Acts chapter 13 before sending Barnabas and Saul on the first missionary journey. In Acts chapter 10, when Peter received that vision to go to the Gentiles, in Acts chapter 10, Peter was, was praying and fasting. Prayer was connected with spiritual events, during times of personal sorrow, during times of, of danger and protection, during times of, of, of guilt, we see that, that people fasted. Always centered around events, circumstances, not chronologically. The people didn't chronologically fast like the Pharisees and the scribes did. It became a, a, a routine. It didn't have anything, it didn't have anything to do with events or circumstances. It was just something that they did. It became a part of their religion because they wanted to put on a show. As you continue to, to think about this, we see that during times of judgment, the fear of judgment, people fasted. In the book of, of Joel, in Joel chapter 1 verse 14, Joel chapter 2, in Joel chapter 3, because of the, of the judgment that was going to come upon God's people, we see that, that Joel would, would proclaim a fast to give the people an opportunity to repent. And fasting would put them in that frame of mind, encouraging them to, to mourn over their sin. The church... During, again, spiritual events or making spiritual decisions. Many times they would also fast. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. We're talking about uh, the qualifications of elders. After Paul finished his first missionary journey. You remember Paul and, and Barnabas, they would go back through 
the various cities where they established congregations to ordain elders in every city. And as they ordained elders, as they made those spiritual decisions, it says that they prayed and fasted in verse number 23. Now let's go back to to, to Matthew chapter 6. Make the application and the lesson will, will be yours this morning. As you think about what Jesus is saying in verse number 16, He says, when ye fast. There is a place for fasting within the true religion of Jesus Christ. Again, there is a a place for fasting. You see, there are going to be times of, of mourning, There are going to be times of of sorrow. There are going to be times of distress. Circumstances that may cause a person to fast. You see, during those times, the, the, the body will respond to the affliction of the heart. The affliction of the soul. And it's during that, that time when a, a person is, is fasting for, for spiritual reasons that that person is, is devoted to God in prayer. Asking God for help. As you go through all of those examples, you see how fasting was, was connected with intense prayer. Not, not just praying, but, but intense prayer. As individuals cried out to God for help. There is a place for fasting. But it's, it's, it's not something that, that we do as a, as a routine. Like on the second or, or fifth Sunday, we're, uh, we're going to, to have a fast. That's not what we see in the New Testament. It's always centered around spiritual events that, that were so intense. Fasting is a, is a natural response. But we should be thankful what the Scriptures have revealed about fasting because they help us understand the spiritual person. And you know, during those difficult times, during those, those difficult circumstances, when our heart, when our soul is, is afflicted, when we cry out to God, what's comforting to know is there is help from God. In Psalm 46, verse number 1, we learn that that, that God is a a very present help when we're in trouble, when we are distressed, when we are hurting, when the heart is being pricked, when our heart and our soul is, is crying out for help. God wants us to know that He's there to help us. But He is also helping us understand the spiritual aspect of of ourselves. He's helping us understand the spiritual nature of the spiritual person. And the spiritual person at times may respond this way. Where one withholds from eating in a physical sense because their heart Their soul is being afflicted. And this was something that that we see with God's people throughout the Old Testament. And so as we think about that question, the question that we began with this morning, should Christians fast? I would say yes, Christians should fast. Because there's going to be times, there's going to be circumstances where our spiritual body, our spiritual person, if you please, will respond in that fashion. 
we ought to be thankful for what we can learn from the words of Jesus Christ. And as we think about the religion of the Pharisees and the scribes, as I said, we don't want to become like them. We want our religion. We want our spiritual devotion to to be meaningful to God. And it can be meaningful if we have the right heart, if we have the right mind. God's Word teaches us so much about true religion. God's Word teaches us so much about ourselves. And this, as I said, is, is perhaps one of the most fascinating subjects that you can read about in the entirety of God's Word because there were occasions where people fasted. You see that throughout the Old Testament. You see that even in the New Testament. But you can see what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing. They were doing it to be seen of men. We don't want to do that. We don't want to be actors. We want to be real. We want to be genuine. We want to be God's spiritual people. The lesson is yours. I hope this morning this lesson has been beneficial to you. I hope that it has educated you and helped you to understand why the soul, why the heart responds the way that it does at times. We should be prepared for that. We shouldn't be caught off guard. We shouldn't be surprised. There are going to be circumstances, as I said, in this life that will cause us to be distressed, that will cause us to mourn, that will cause us to feel pain. And we should know how to respond to that so that we can receive the help that God has to offer. It may be that, that you have never obeyed the Gospel. What God wants more than anything is for you to obey the Gospel this morning. For you to become a part of His kingdom. You know, as we think about the Sermon on the Mount, this is all about the kingdom of God. And every person has that opportunity, that Ability to be a, a, a citizen of God's kingdom, a member of His church. To become a citizen of God's kingdom, one must obey the gospel. One must hear the good news. One must believe it according to Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. A person must repent of their sins, Luke 13, verse number 3. One must be willing to confess that Jesus is the Christ like the Ethiopian eunuch did in Acts chapter 8. And one must be baptized for the remission of their sins. Acts 2 verse 38. You see, it's in baptism that a a person contacts the blood that that washes away their sins. In Revelation 1 verse 5, we learn that it's the blood of Jesus Christ that washes our sins away. But in Acts 22 verse 16, we learn that it's in baptism that we contact the blood. And when a person is baptized into Christ, we see in Colossians 1 verse number 13 that they are delivered from Satan's domain, the domain of darkness. And they're translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And once we become a citizen of God's kingdom, we can learn from the Sermon on the Mount how we are to live. We're to be peacemakers. We're to have a a pure heart. We're to let our light shine. We are to treat others fairly as we will see in Matthew chapter 7 verse number 12. We are to do good deeds. We are to be God's prayerful people. We should rely. We should turn to God during those times of heartache as we talked about this morning. 
God is there for us. God is there to help us along the way, to encourage us, to lift up our chins at times when we're down. We ought to be thankful again that we can be called the children of God. And so if you never obeyed the Gospel, this morning is a wonderful opportunity for you to make that spiritual decision about your spiritual life. If you are a child of God, if you haven't been putting God first, this is an opportunity for all of us to really take a look at self and to examine self, spiritually speaking, looking at the Word of God. If there, are, if there are changes that we need to make in our spiritual life, let's make those changes this morning. Let's not wait another minute. Let's not put it off anymore. Let's make those changes right now. Let's be right with God. Let's think about the second coming. Let's put Him first in everything that we do. If you need to respond, won't you please come right now as we stand and as we sing.